0: Time once again for the Bama Online Podcast, this one on a Wednesday afternoon, July the 19th, 2023. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BOL, back with you here on the show. The podcast, of course, you can find on any of your favorite podcast platforms, anywhere you subscribe to pods, you're going to find the Bama Online Podcast. This particular episode, you can also find the video edition of it at the YouTube home for yours truly, at Travis Ryer B-O-L. So a lot to get into following the Alabama contingent of Nick Saban, J.C. Latham, Dallas Turner, Kool-Aid McKinstry making their way to Nashville for SEC Media Days 2023. A lot of questions about the quarterback position, as you might expect. Some questions about Caleb Downs, the outstanding true freshman safety who impacted things on the back end for the Alabama defense in his first spring practice in Tuscaloosa, working with that first unit in March and April. Uh, some things to consider with each of these three players that showed up in Nashville with Nick Saban. I think you start with Dallas Turner in contract year for the very talented edge defender, a guy that in terms of versatility, you can do a lot of things with. Maybe not in a similar fashion that you did with, say, Will Anderson in 2022. I don't think you want Dallas Turner in a four-point stance, put it that way. And I don't think you're going to see Dallas Turner used in that way. But at the linebacker position in general, we've already seen it in his first couple of years. This is a guy that can move around. He can play the edge. You can play him inside some if you want to in certain looks, with an emphasis probably more so On pass rush or third down situations. So Dallas looking for a big season after a sophomore campaign that I'm sure by his own standards wasn't up to what he expected after eight and a half sacks as a true freshman in 2021. It didn't happen for Dallas Turner. Not a bad year, but certainly not that next step. And it is a contract year coming up for not only Dallas Turner, But Will Anderson, also Kool-Aid McKinstry, and you're seeing all three of these guys in the way-too-early first-round mocks for the 2024 NFL draft. So questions to answer for all three. I think with J.C. Latham, you still wonder, is it right tackle or is it left tackle by the time Alabama gets fall camp going here in just a couple weeks in Tuscaloosa's He able to stay on that right side. Does Alabama feel good enough about another player like an Elijah Pritchett, maybe a Caden Proctor at left tackle? Or do you look at J.C. Latham making the move over to the left side and backfilling with another option at right tackle? Kool-Aid McKinstry, unquestionably one of the very top corners in all of college football. Maybe Alabama's top overall defensive player. I think when you look at Dallas Turner, you look at Kool-Aid McKinstry, those are obviously two guys you have in that discussion on that side of the ball. Uh, and then, of course, you know, again, guys that are well coached in the ways of the media. And you saw that again on Wednesday, not giving away too much. I did think J.C. Latham had some nice comments about Jalen Milroe and, you know, what he thinks could happen if it is Jalen Milroe at the quarterback position. So a lot of quarterback talk. A lot of jobs up for grabs for this Alabama team as it heads into fall camp in August. Not just the guy at quarterback. Who's the guy at wide receiver? Returns some production there, no doubt about it, in Ja'Cory Brooks and Jermaine Burton. But who's the guy? Does Malik Benson, the junior college transfer, have an opportunity to become wide receiver one. Maybe it's going to continue to be more of a committee approach, which is fine as long as you're getting consistency from three or four or maybe even five guys with Kendrick Law potentially in that mix. Also thinking about guys like Isaiah Bond, Kobe Prentice. Again, plenty of great options, plenty of talent at that position, but consistency at wide receiver. Going to continue to be a storyline as we move forward. Uh, in the tw- in the preseason coming up here, no doubt about that. But Nick Saban meeting with the mass of media there in Nashville on Wednesday morning. He was asked about a lot of different things, including carrot cake, which we'll get to a little bit later in the podcast. But some of the more obvious topics that you knew he would touch on or be asked about uh, in Nashville on Wednesday came up. The challenges for new offensive coordinator Tommy Reese, and also defensive coordinator, uh, Kevin Steele. And, you know, I think that Nick talked about it. He likes the personality of these guys in relation to being able to present things to their players, not only present them, but get them across in a way in which execution becomes less of an issue than perhaps it's been the last couple of years, that relatability factor. And I think it's even more important. At the positional level this time around, because you got Steele and Reese breaking in new starters at arguably the most critical positions on each side of the ball—inside linebacker and quarterback—and you know those aren't again; those aren't the only positions where Alabama must find the guy. Whether it's Deontay Lawson at middle linebacker, Tresman Marshall coming in from Georgia, Jihad Campbell obviously as a second-year player. A lot of potential could be very much in that mix. It could be kind of like wide receiver. Maybe uh, package by package, you have some different options. I would think three's the limit that you'd want to go with that. You'd still like to keep it to three guys. If you could have two that are your down in and down out guys, uh, with maybe Deontay Lawson, your every down guy at the MAC position, that's great too. But you know, I thought Saban's comments Wednesday in relation to new coordinators learning the Alabama offense and the Alabama defense were especially interesting this time around, not just because of what it means uh, for Reese and Steele, but also for a couple of these transfers that have come in guys like Tyler Buckner at the quarterback position. Also, again, the aforementioned Trez Marshall at inside linebacker, because when you think about changes at the coordinator spots, the play caller spots, You think about well, they come in with their systems and their terminology, and then it's on the players and the assistant coaches that they inherit or bring in to kind of learn their terminology and their system. Not that way under Nick Saban at Alabama makes a lot of sense too. I mean, really, when you think about it, if you've got forty players on your side of the ball and four or five on the field assistants. Why should everyone else have to make the adjustment, especially when Nick Saban hires guys that align with at least fundamentally what he wants carried out on offense, defense, special teams, too, for that matter. So uh, it's been on Reese and Steele, probably not so much on Steele, working for Nick a couple of times previously. Uh, I'm sure he's picked it up or perhaps he had even carried it with him uh, to other places. And so Reese has to learn that. And not only that, Buckner, who has the advantage of having spent time with Reese previously at Notre Dame, conceptually, there's a benefit to that. But the same is true, you would think, for Buckner in terms of having to learn the verbiage and the terminology that he's walking into at Alabama. Maybe not so much for Trez Marshall. I mean, Trez comes from Georgia where he worked in a Kirby Smart Crafted defense. So I'm going to guess the transition to making calls and checks for him at Alabama has been fairly seamless. And not only that, Trez compared to Tyler Buckner had the benefit of 15 spring practices at Alabama, something that not only helped them adapt to any changes the Alabama system might have presented, But also in the way of Marshall blending in from a team dynamic perspective and with the expectation being that Tyler Buckner's a smart guy, he can pick up the verbiage, he can pick up the terminology, implement it, and there's ways to relate it, I'm sure. I'm sure Tommy Reese is able to tell Tyler Buckner, we called it this at Notre Dame, but it's this here. And so that should help. Uh, Just the familiarity. It's not like Tyler Buckner's coming from the run and shoot to this offense. It's it's the same offense that he worked in for the large part at uh, Notre Dame. So there's that to consider as well, but a little bit different, you would think, for Tyler Buckner as compared to Tresman Marshall. Saban was also asked about Texas coming into the SEC and also the Longhorns, of course, going to visit Tuscaloosa on September the 9th. Uh, Saban talked about the close game in Austin last year and And also pointed out with all the returning talent that Steve Sarkeesian welcomes back in Austin, uh, he expects them to have an outstanding team, the Longhorns, and absolutely. And I'm going to say this, and I understand this probably kills any chance Texas has of winning in Tuscaloosa on September the 9th, but I'm officially in on the Longhorns. You know, while that wasn't the case, I really didn't feel that way as much earlier in the year. But then I started working on the top five opposing players at each position for Alabama opponents during the upcoming season. And that's when I started to see that, wow, and remembering the Texas team that I saw in Austin against Alabama last season, started to started to kind of fill the pool that, yeah, this Texas team could be 10, 11, who knows how many wins in 2023. And again, I apologize In advance to the Texas fans, because I know, again, the inevitable mush is now on the way for your team with my endorsement. But with that out of the way and with an emphasis on what the Longhorns bring back on offense, I can envision a scenario where Alabama will need to score in the 30s in week two uh, to avoid a loss prior to week three for the first time in the Nick Saban era at Alabama. And so when you think about the urgency at quarterback, I think it's that week two matchup with Texas that you have in mind. And, you know, I know you can look back and make some comparisons. Hey, what about, you know, 2011 Alabama went into a season with a similar situation and, you know, it worked out just fine. But, you know, this Texas offense isn't going to be what Penn State's offense was in Happy Valley in 2011, okay? It's gonna be a little more explosive, a lot more explosive, I think, for Texas in this one. So instead of thinking about that scenario, I think about an Alabama defense that is still finding itself at some important positions, especially in the back seven and more so than Penn State 2011, I can envision a game that's more along the lines of Ole Miss in Tuscaloosa in 2015 in September when essentially Alabama had to lose a game to find its starting quarterback. That was the case, as you, I'm sure, have tried to not recall but can recall the Ole Miss game in 2015 when Cooper Bateman got the start before the quick hook in favor of Jake Coker. Jake Coker went on to win a national championship. Nick on Wednesday also asked about international and global recruiting, as we know, in the last week or so, you've had Justin Ocaronquo. Ok- 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 and I, st- I still struggle with that a little bit, but the very talented German, or, for, hails from Germany, Justin ok- Ronkwo, uh became a, a commitment to Alabama, uh, you know, and look, we can talk about how big the world is, but in this age of technology and networking and uh, being able to communicate like we can. and then you throw in the fact that this guy's six three two twenty five and he runs a four five forty at Alabama's camp, all those things contribute to the world becoming a lot smaller place. And so you know Nick also cited when it comes to international global type recruiting. Jesse Williams from about a decade or so ago. Everyone remembers Jesse Williams out of Australia. The defensive lineman, who was a part of national championship teams at UA. Uh, you also most recently had Ola Salinen uh, from Finland. Uh, so a couple of guys that have made that move. I think Nick also um uh, he also pointed out James Burnett as an Australian too. But you know, I think some things that you have to take into consideration, some differences are that. Jesse Williams and Ola Elenin had an opportunity to experience football on American soil before moving on to the SEC. So for Jesse Williams, that entailed playing at Arizona Western Community College. As for Elenin, who not only played a couple of years of high school football at the Loomis Chafee School up in Connecticut, no, his dad, Klaus, played professionally in NFL Europe. So When you look at Okoronkwo, there will be questions about the level of competition he's gone against in Europe without having that time spent on American turf playing football. But, you know, to that, you sort of look at it and say, how is that any different than a handful of prospects that sign with Alabama every year? I mean, if you watch Caden Proctor's tape of high school football, when he played against competition in Iowa, you already know the answer to that one. So ultimately, it the critical factors, and you hear Nick Saban talk about those all the time, and they essentially involve size, um, speed, um, you know, and intelligence, obviously a part of that as well. If you check those boxes where the critical factors are concerned, and I'd say 6'3, 225, 4540 are a good way to start, especially at the linebacker position there's probably going to be a spot available for you at a place like Alabama. You know, and that's true whether you're from Hoover, you're from Helsinki, uh, anywhere you want to name it. Uh, there's probably going to be a spot for you at one of these elite programs. So Saban on Wednesday also asked, uh, and he talked about the cake analogy when trying to figure out the quarterback situation and essentially saying, look, it's going to take some time for it to come together. You can't rush it. None of that was a surprise. That was the expected response. I know we've had some former SEC quarterbacks in Nashville the last couple of days go ahead and make calls for Ty Simpson, ultimately, as the winner of the quarterback position uh, at Alabama. But Nick not ready, obviously, to go there yet. I guess if there was anything newsworthy in his comments about the quarterback position, it was that you know, there, there's three guys, as he said, competing for it, and not all five. I kind of thought he might say, hey, look, we got five guys. We got five scholarship guys. Everybody's going to get a shot. But obviously, realistically, that can't be the case because you're already going to be working against a crunch in terms of reps and getting three guys enough reps to get through that first scrimmage, get through the second scrimmage. And then even if you consider Middle Tennessee kind of an extension of the competition from the preseason Again, Texas is sitting there in week two, so I don't envision playing three guys against Middle Tennessee. Maybe two against Middle Tennessee, but you want to feel really good, as good as you can, anyway, about that spot by the time Middle Tennessee leaves Tuscaloosa on Labor Day weekend. And you know, when I look at it, um, you know, I, we, we from the carrot cake perspective first. I guess we need to get that out of the way. I've come around to carrot cake. Um, But I do have one stipulation against the carrot cake. Never, ever do you go with carrot cake as a birthday cake option. You know, my mom did that back around 1973. I think it was my fifth birthday. Dear mom, love her to death, but she went, she loves carrot cake. So I think she thought she would sneak the carrot cake by me for my birthday, my fifth birthday. And look, all these years later, it's still something we're trying to work through. Been nearly 50 years ago, I'm still not over the carrot cake for a birthday cake. Now, last few years, I've come around to it. I I think of carrot cake as more of a cinnamon cake. That's what helps me with carrot cake. If I think of it as pumpkin or you know pumpkin pie, I I, I got to think of that as more of a cinnamon spice pie. I think of carrot cake that way when it comes to cakes, but. As for Saban's comments about the quarterbacks on Wednesday, again, they went according to script, talked about how he mentioned three quarterbacks being in the mix. So maybe if you want to run with that, you could. Mostly I spent the day in anticipation of some comments from him about this quarterback situation, thinking about quarterback competitions of the past and specifically championship quarterbacks under nick saban and when you look at saban's six national championship teams at alabama only one was quarterbacked by a first team all sec selection you know who that was that was his last his previous national championship quarterback at alabama that was mac jones in 2020 alabama's other three first team all sec quarterbacks in the saban era jalen hurts in 2016, Tua Tonga Vaiola in 2018, Bryce Young in 2021. Now, great quarterbacks. All three came up short in those seasons in national championship games. So when you look at Greg McElroy in 2009, AJ McCarron in 2011, Coker in 2015, and Jalen Hurts in 2017, understanding it was Tua that finished that national championship game win over Georgia. That season, those guys weren't first or second teamers. Now, of those four, 3-1 crowns as first-year starters. So here's where you say, well, TR, the game has changed. And I agree, it has. It has largely when you talk about how the game is played compared to even 2015 or maybe even 2017. But you know what? Tell all that to Georgia who has recently won back-to-back national championships with a non-All-SEC guy behind center. And again, that's not to discount the importance of the quarterback position. As I talked about earlier, it could very well be the difference in winning and losing in the home opener for Alabama coming up in September. So again, chances are something will be required of Bryce Young's successor As early as week two, going to have to provide something, not just going to be able to game management. I don't think you're going to have to, you know, obviously as Nick outlined once again on Wednesday, ball security, you know, running the offense, having the respect of the teammates, all those things. And when I hear Nick talk about winning the team, I get that. There's the, there's that dynamic that's very much in play and it's very real, but at the end of the day, you know, you got to win, you got to win Nick Saban. If you win Nick Saban, you got the team in all likelihood. I'm going to think those two things kind of go together. So, again, though, quarterback play, very important. More so, though, I think it also, what we talked about just a minute ago, it speaks to the need of UA to be improved everywhere else. And so, if that doesn't happen, you know, if, if Alabama defensively uh, doesn't play cleaner, uh, if Alabama is not uh a team that cleans up penalties and things like that on both sides of the ball and in special teams. Alabama wasn't good enough in special teams last year either. Alabama returned specialists that are certainly good enough, whether you're talking about Will Reichert or Burnup. I think Burnup still got some ground to cover. You know, and Burnup's similar to what we were talking about earlier with the global international players. Burnup didn't have that benefit of American football before actually suiting up for Alabama. And I think that's required an adjustment of a couple of years, but he should be a lot closer right now going into his third year as Alabama punter. All those things come into play, and if those things aren't improved over what they were, even as late as the Iron Bowl or even the bowl game against Kansas State, for the talent that Alabama had a year ago, uh, those games were the kind that should have been dominated to a greater extent than they were. I know you look at the final score of Auburn, you look at the final score of Kansas State, and you think, well, what are you talking about? Alabama won those games by four touchdowns or something in that neighborhood. Well, if you recall, those games didn't necessarily get that way for a while. Those weren't games where Alabama came out and exerted itself, established itself as the dominant team from the opening snap. That's more of what I'm sure Nick Saban wants to see this time around. And that's more of what's going to happen, I think, uh, with the quarterback change coming for the Crimson Tide. So there you go, the latest edition of the Bama Online Podcast. As always, we thank you for joining us here. Man, we got so much content, so many updates right there at BamaOnline.com for you. Charlie Potter serving it up from Nashville. You got Clint Lamb, Jimmy Stein. Uh, From the recruiting perspective, obviously site publisher Tim Watts to go along with Andrew Bone, Joseph Hastings, all over the state of Florida right now checking out Alabama commits. If you follow Joe on Twitter, you've seen that. But great, great stuff for you there at BamaOnline.com. Hang out with us on the roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans around the globe. And again, you can subscribe to this podcast, the Bama Online Podcast, anywhere you consume pods. Video home for myself is on YouTube at Travis Ryer B O L. So look, we got you covered all the way around. And by the way, speaking of recruiting, yeah, it's a uh, commitment season for the Crimson Tide, so uh, you need to be posted up with us right there at B O L. Travis Ryer, thanking you once again for joining us here on the show. And until next time, so long, everybody.